Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Usman Bashir, our guest, and he is the head of engineering at a very successful company we have all used, sometimes without even knowing it. Yes, that's right. That's the highly successful payment processing company, WorldPay. So let's not delay. Let's get Usman into the space to share his tech leadership story. Welcome, Usman. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Hi there. How's it going? Yeah, it's really good. So Usman, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? Um, So I'm the head of engineering at WorldPay, which is an FIS organization. Um, My current remit is to look after data engineering, platform engineering, and machine learning engineering. Two components to it, build the platform that then enables to build uh, data or machine learning products. Fantastic. And I imagine, I I mean, I've used WorldPay in the past. I'm sure some of the audience have have there as well. And uh, and it's a company that's kind of grown quite quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's been around for a while. Um, I joined in November last year. That's uh, November 2020. So early days in the company. Um, It's a large organization. It's one of the, actually one of the largest uh, payment processor and it's been around since 1993. Got recently acquired by FIS. Uh, I think right now it's a $90 billion company. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, FIS itself uh, has, uh, you know, its footprint in banking, capital markets, and uh, merchant payments. And WorldPay forms the merchant payment aspects. Excellent. That's really good. So before we dig down deeper into what the company does and some of the challenges and successes you're having within that space, tell us a little bit brief history about your journey to becoming a tech leader. What's that been like? Yeah, um, so um, about 16 years ago, I did a master's in AI. And after that, I, I didn't want to pursue research. So I joined um, Accenture for a while before going to Ocado and there I was part of the warehouse management system scene uh, where I was able to do core development um, uh, in Java. So I got a lot of tech experience there. Um, it was a, it's, it's a great organization with really great people to work with. And um, so I got like really exposure to all different sorts of technology, uh, controlling robots, controlling cranes, um, building uh, green uh, greenhouse, um, greenfield systems. And, you know, uh, things which are quite um, analytics intense. So things like operational research, traveling salesperson problem, using neural networks to, to do uh, optimizations. So that is kind of um, the, the, which formed the foundation of, uh, of my, um, technical skill set 
And then uh, luckily at that time, I think the real inflection point was I, you know, um, someone from um, who was an ex-Googler joined the company and he really mentored me and really showed me what a great uh, leader um, should look like and actually, um, you know, uh, what sort of impact a really great technical lead can have. And that really inspired me to actually take on that sort of leadership journey. The current uh, chief engineering officer, uh, James Duncan, also was a great leader and a great example of a leader, really empathetic, really, to have, you know, really hands-on technical, um, really gets excited about ideas and really adds value. So that that inspired me to take that tech journey. So, um, so I took, you know, made a commitment that basically going to be become a leader um, along those lines uh, that really adds value to the people, really creates high performing teams. And um, so therefore, you know, I took that journey, uh, did leadership roles at VP, Quantum Black McKinsey, um, was the VP of engineering, research engineering at a startup uh, called GTN. And after that, um, I'm here at, uh, at Warbe. Wow, fantastic. It's a nice little journey. I, I love the fact that you you made a kind of a decision not to go into research, but to a, to a, a space where you can apply what you'd learn. Yeah, I think a couple of practical reasons also played. You know, it's kind of like staying broke for a long time wasn't really ideal. I was an international student back then, so you know, debts and all of that. It was a quite an interesting space. Uh, AI, it always, you know, I, I did my undergrad in electrical computer engineering. Um, so building robots, um, teaching them how to navigate, all of that, that um, was um, uh, very interesting uh, for me. So Usman, one of the things that we find quite interesting around techies that become tech leaders is that kind of transition because it is a very different world, you know. What, what's that been like for you and have you got any tips or uh, learning from that that transition? So there's two two things that I'd say it's very important um, for techies. Um, I think one, number one is you should become a tech leader. When I say tech leader is... Uh, from a people leadership perspective, uh, you shouldn't become a, 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 a tech leader if you're not really passionate about uh, people leadership, right? So I always give the example of, you know, Abdul Sattar Ibi, you know, Gandhi and all of these great leaders, they were not in it for you know, the whole, whether money or whether aspects, other aspects of it. It was about purely passionate about people development and people uh, um, value uh, adding. So you should always, um, you know, self-reflect because there are other ways to really become experts. You know, you get staff software engineers, you know, tech leaders that are recognized for their individual contribution, right? Yes. So that's number one, really reflect in words, whether you have that passion and you get really positive energy from spending those hours and hours um, trying to get the right platform for your people, uh, really understanding uh, what drives people when people don't want to give you that information, right? So in your one-to-ones, you will ask people, you know, what would they like to do and they're not sure, right? And sometimes 
you know, in your fifth one-to-one, they might still say say the same thing. So helping them really when they're confused and taking a C team or a B team to A team, that's, that's if you're really passionate about it, do that. Um, the second bit is you have to have that technical context. Sometimes people feel that the people side of things is important and it is. But, uh, you know, just being able to spot a really great idea and um, within a problem-solving session, I think that's very important as a technical leader because that really inspires people to say, look, this is the kind of person that really recognizes good, good, value, uh, good ideas. Uh, I think that's also very important. So being able to spot good ideas and, and be able to, to support people um, that allows people to to trust your technical chops um, and really, really follow you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, again, this is a common theme that we found with many of our guests. Is it is about people and and also an understanding of what the business needs are. It's, technology is the enabler of what the business is trying to deliver, and uh, and it's it's important that the outcomes are, are just it, the technology is just not an output; it's an outcome for the business. Um, yeah. So pretty- one last thing I would one last thing I would say to a techie is the third thing is, you know, when you get teams together, there's the technology, there's the people side of things, and the third thing is process, right? So people, you, you've got to, techies go in, they're really good people person, they're also really good at technology, but they don't, you know, you're not able to scale or they can't go to the next level because they haven't really thought through what processes they need to put in place, you know, that helps them scale, right? They're not able to say how their team has improved. Just, um, you know, hitting targets is great, but hitting, you know, that target could be very easy to hit, right? So so knowing how you're improving is is important. So having those processes in place um, that helps delivery and understanding them is also key things and that's how if you have those processes for the people and technology in place then you can scale the teams then you yes. you yourself can go to the next level yeah i love it thank you for that so usman i'm really interested in what drives tech leaders and the kind of passion that uh, gets them to jump out of bed in the morning and do stuff what's your passion what makes you jump out of bed in the morning yeah so i think Reflecting upon my career, where I felt more excited, most excited was when I just created um, high-performing teams to deliver a product, right? And of those, um, if I if I look dig a little deeper, actually the number one thing that gets me um, going is just taking people to the next level. It's not just hiring like a really great manager or director of engineering. It's really about taking what we have, individual contributor, uh, whether they want to become a staff software engineer or they want to become a engineering manager or an engineering manager wants to become a director of engineering. Um, it really, that taking people to the next level is really what gets me excited because you can tell when people are really uh, growing, they're really motivated, right? So just, you know, giving people a sense of they've got control over their lives and they're, you know, it's not whether they're here, uh, you know, at one um, 
place where they're currently working, whether wherever they will go, their value is increasing, right? So yeah. that for me is a, is a real adding value to people, growing people, right? Really is exciting. And every time on a Friday when I have my one to ones and people are learning new stuff, and when I ask for feedback, you know, and the feedback is is positive. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a really rewarding team. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, very. you sound very people-orientated and, and you see the value that it brings, obviously, to your leadership, uh, but also the organisation and to the individual as well. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, but you can't, one of the things that I would say is you can coach people, but if you can't create technical opportunities for people at the level that you are, whether it's a project or a product that you're trying to build in a way that you're trying to build, then you won't your you won't have um, that opportunity to actually grow people. Because if you are create if you're not innovating and if you're not influencing senior leadership, the SVPs, the EVPs, to say go in this direction, which impacts revenues for the company. If you don't do that, then you won't, you know, your your people, your space won't grow and your people won't be able to go to the next level. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I am passionate about that, but I, in order for me to do that, I need to actually get in different working groups, talk to my bosses, like what's next in terms of strategy. So yeah. that, you know, you create a vision that the people are aligned to and then they're able to grow as they take that journey. Yes, I like so it. So it really motivates people. So I think those things are connected, right? Which kind of brings us on to uh, an area that I was about, a, about a, sorry, which is a nice segue into the leadership space, you know? So you roll, how do you roll as a leader? Um, how do you make sure that you get that alignment? So you've got this vision that's kind of articulated, maybe in a, in a session or a number of sessions. How do you make sure uh, that the teams actually do head towards that and keep aligned towards it? I think when I started doing this um, in terms of, you know, road mapping and mapping out the company goals, you know, in a smaller company, I guess even then it was a bit challenging because, you know, you have, investors saying you need to do x y and z you have the original founders saying let's do this right or we want to do this and then you might have certain really high uh, profile individual contributors they want to do this so i think getting people aligned um it's a tough job but it's doable it requires a lot of commitment from all the individuals and sometimes you have to even do the legwork, convince them that there's this saying that we're going to climb Mount Everest, like a single goal, a single simple sentence goal, um, is very important. That then breaks down even more into specific goals and then maybe forms an OKRs for the team. So it's it's very important for, for you to spend time, but it's not easy to do. Yeah. So... Um, so you spend a lot of time sort of talking to the leadership about the roadmap. Um, you spend a lot of time talking to your people about what they think where we, where we should go, right? It's not a top-down approach. And I think it takes some time, but you eventually get there, right? 
Yeah, that's good. But it's kind of like simplifying things and just having a single sense of purpose for teams, you know, and together as a as a department, as a company, that this is your singular goal. Excellent, Usman. So I've got a curious question around what keeps you up at night here. What what are the things that really kind of play on your mind as a tech leader? Because being a tech leader is a very challenging role. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, it is, it is. I mean, it wouldn't be uh, leadership if it wasn't difficult. <laughs> One of the things that, um, so in different situations, I've been kept up um, um, at night by different things, right? So it's kind of like um, how do you how do you create alignment sometimes, right? And how do you do it quick, right? Yeah. So one of the things that almost certainly can happen is that. Um, Leadership, senior leadership styles can clash, right? In my uh, experiences before this role is that you might have a very command and control kind of leadership, whereas uh, my leadership is about your autonomy and, you know, the whole growth and purpose that, you know, people work the way they want to. Um, and basically the best idea wins rather than, you know, you know, I'm the subject matter expert, I should know I'm the leader, right? So it's not, it's not. And when you have that clash with someone that you kind of report to, it becomes a very challenging situation, right? Where, you know, you have a different leadership style that works. Uh, they have a different leadership style. And you almost need, the, it almost results in some conflict um, if, if you don't set up proper processes. Um, it also becomes very difficult when, you know, it's kind of a pressure cooker when there are deadlines, when there's, um, you know, the company's running out of money and that sort of thing. Mm. So I think it's, it's, um, that, that has kept me up at night. Um, you know, how do I kind of make it easy? Because it becomes difficult for the team sometimes, not necessarily... Because then the pressure can seep down all the way down. Mm. Um, what you want to do is have a low pressure, high performance um, um, environment. Yes, I like that. And friction at a top leadership level can actually create a lot of chaos and you know nerves and stress for for your worker which then results in actually low productivity which then results to the company's bottom line right? that's right yeah have you got any tips around ensuring that there is that kind of keeping that information where the friction is in leadership away from uh, the people doing the work so i think before you you join a company as a leader um one of the things that i have asked is um people at different levels who their mentors are do they actually get a mentorship? Now, what that tells me is whether they listen to someone else, right? So you don't have a situation where you're talking to someone who's um, who's really highly recognized in the industry, but that then would reject all, um, you know, uh, uh, conventional wisdom, right? So, for example, if you were to create, you know, uh, seek 
them having conflicts with other people or other leadership um, team members. And if you were to suggest a really good book that says how to have difficult conversations and stuff, and and they don't, they're not the kind of person that's very opinionated and, you know, that they form their own, you know, uh, kind of thing. And unless Reed Hoffman tells them something, they're not going to listen, right? So um, that's the kind of, you know, you need to know whether that's the, you know, your, your, what you're getting into. Yeah. So if you, ha- if you work with someone, especially somebody that, listens a lot that somebody that listens has a uh mentorship mindset like uh, they are a mentee then you know they're on that growth um journey and they will you know you it's easier they it doesn't you know life is still going to be full of conflicts right you have conflicts with your best friends and etc yeah but you'd be able to work through them one of the things that's obviously we're all living through at the moment is the kind of covid uh era uh, we're still in it for for those listening in the future. Um, how have you kind of managed with the remote working? How's that been? I think it's been quite challenging. I would say how um, you know I'd like to say sometimes in a room when I see my teams a little bit fatigued and stuff, I'm able to see that, and I would take everyone. We're going out for a nice little walk or a coffee, right? So where there's 20, 30 or 40 people, whoever, right, would say, stop, let's connect, right? Right. And I think it's important to do at that time because the fatigue is so high, the productivity is so low and morale is low. Sometimes you just need to say, okay, stop, just stop. Let's go out, let's connect, let's refresh. You can't do that right now, yeah? You can't notice um, uh, how people are doing, right? So that capability is difficult you know we talked about having that roadmap uh, you know in in the hallway or on the wall that's not possible so it's 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 difficult um um but what's positive about it is that you know being a new father you know i'm just like my commute is now two minutes yeah so you do get that extra time to to you know if if the if your family needs you, you can sort of just jump off and help the family and stuff. So that does reduce stress in some ways. You know, people I know in the team have taken that those two commute hours to look after themselves, right? So really get into sort of exercise and stuff. So it has been positive in some uh, uh, um, in some ways, but that sort of you know being in the same you know uh, room and being able to connect as humans that has taken a hit, I think. That's good. And any other tips around leading remotely? Because I find it quite interesting what you're talking about there uh, of, of being not being able to visually communicate the roadmap. Because I, I totally hear you because I have this problem as well. I used to, uh, when we were in offices, um, used to communicate the vision, the direction of where we were on that uh, visually. Have you come up with any tips of how to, to do that, to replace in this new era? Oh. It's difficult. I think it's just that um, the idea for for that is that people would be able to look at this at their own convenience, right? Rather than having. So I don't think that, and you can't really say, "Hey, everybody, print this out and put it in the wall." <laughs> so yeah. I think the idea was that, look, this is here. We're being transparent. I'm being transparent. This is where we're headed. You know, if you see any problems, 
come through. Like it, it solves multiple re- uh, problems, right? People know what they're doing. People find a problem. People tell you about the problem, right? I rather come up. People like display it to, to the whole world so people can give me feedback, right? Um, the way I have tackled this, or I'm trying to tackle this, is having regular sessions. But those regular sessions, as you said, just becomes okay, same old. We've seen this, that, that. Yeah. Right. So it's the whole. You wanna put something in people's vision and into the subconscious. Now you have to do it consciously. So it's it's very difficult, and I haven't solved that right to be able to what I was trying to do subconsciously and in a low pressure way. Now if I do it every month. It's like okay, what's the what's the okay? We have to gear up. We have to find a problem, or we, you know, it's not, you know, it's kind of like forcing something to be different. Yes. So monthly, what I've done is just monthly monthly catch-ups. Uh, update yeah. the roadmap. Does this roadmap look good? Yeah. Similarly to your, to the people that I report to and the people that I have owning the roadmaps, the different products. So different engineering managers own different roadmaps. So they give update. I take those roadmaps to say to my bosses and say, "Look, does this look good?" So it's just a bit mechanical, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I also, um, again, coming back to the visually putting things up on the wall is because people can see that in their own time. You kind of mentioned a really important point there is that when it's on the wall, people find the time to go and have a look at it. Whereas um, working remotely, you have to almost assign the time it's it's kind of a dedicated time to kind of go over it so uh i'd be interested to see if there's any anyone in the audience uh listening to this has some kind of great techniques and tips and hopefully kind of share it when this podcast is out um one of the things um osman that uh, we find with tech leaders quite you know it's quite common is the is the blend of which the kind of teams you create now in in, in the scope of your leadership um what's your kind of thoughts on outsourcing, insourcing, or even contracting? Is that something that you work with? So, yeah, we, we do have, um, uh, in my career, many times we've had contractors um, uh, in, in different roles. But I would say anything that you think is high value, you should take that journey yourself rather than through contract. Uh, but I have having... I'm, I've had to do it through contracts because simply sometimes it takes time to build your so employment employer brand so you know so that you can attract engineering talent. Yes. So yes. whilst that's happening, you might have to go down the contractor route. But in short, um, use contractors. But if it's really market differentiating, then you'd rather have that develop internally because in the process itself when you start developing you learn so many things and you don't want sort of contractors to go away because they eventually do go away and you don't want to have long-term contracting anyways so yes that's right you want to keep the ip and the kind of uh, the important kind of core of what you're developing internally to the organization and also because uh, you've worked for quite a few large organizations i'm kind of curious around your thoughts on uh, the foundations for growth for organizations and how you deal with the growing pains of an organization what are your thoughts on that 
So I think the cool thing, the best example would be a startup, right? So where I think big, large organizations somewhat have a bit of a culture already uh, uh, built. So I think the growing pains of how do you make sure, you know, it's not about sustainable culture, it's having a positive culture. So people coming in, adding to your culture, you're not saying come fit into our culture, you're saying come and add to our, your culture. So I think having that as a foundation that people are going to bring in something new to your company and to your, uh, having that mindset is very important. So I think that's one of the things um, that helps organization go rather than resist to a particular way of thinking. And even very, very large organizations, tech giants sometimes have suffered because they say, you know, we're this and, you know, we, you know, we act this way. And, and to be honest, if, if you hear what um, really great developers have to say, look, I don't want to go there because they act and behave this way, right? So, um, so which is a loss to the company, right? Regardless yeah. of how large you are. So some thinking about culture ad is very important. Yeah. Thinking about like, what are your values? So put out your values, not, not as a, just as a practice that you say, I'm going to do this, uh, write down my values and put it in the drawer. But actually live those, start living by those values very uh, early on. I think that forms a very good foundation of growth because okay. values um, and things like culture ad really form the foundation about um upon which you can um, really put all your processes uh, upon. Yeah, love it. So That's then if we were to talk about like the common pains, you can tackle those common pains when you feel them. Like for example, set, you know, communicate as if you're communicating to 20 people when you're a five people team. Because you set that up, you will have very quick feedback. You'll be able to fix it very quickly because you're not busy that busy compared to when you will be at 20 people. Um, so always act as if you're doing, you know, you're building for 20, right? So you're always ahead of the game. So that way you avoid common pains. You will always have pains as you build stuff like, you know, processes and all of this. People think that everybody, you know, nobody's got it right. Nobody gets it right at the time. Mm. So it's an evolving thing. So I'd say when you're at, you know, 40 people act as if you're right now on 80, how would you deal with that? That's brilliant, Usman. I, one thing that particularly strikes me is, is that how you kind of talk about culture and how it has to change as well. It's not fixed, you know, and, and to allow it to kind of morph and change through time uh, and having that kind of add that ability to add to the culture as long as it fits the the values and in, in the uh, organization you're in or uh, organizations that you work with what are the kind of common engineering challenges you've come across and how did you overcome them i think just generally every business has a deadline regardless of how much how many billions they have there's always you know budgetary challenges and you know it's kind of everybody's trying to be optimal so i think um uh the way um i've always uh, said um uh, to my senior leaders is that you know uh there are many ways to, to optimize but if you 
really focus on product innovation, these are like tiny problems. Um, the best way to explain this to, uh, to the biggest boss that I have sometimes, you know, um, I speak to my missus and she says, look, you need to, you know, you know control your OPEX. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and to her, I say, look, if I do well and I push the boundaries of my career, then we have, will have a better, bigger capital investment, right? Mm. So if I do product innovation, and I say to companies, if you focus on product innovation, you know, these these um, sort of gaps in um, would, would, would um, these smaller challenges go away. To your point about development capabilities, um, I think it's very difficult to find um, cloud engineering at the moment. Um, and we've got a really good, um, good team um, here at WorldPay, but um you know cloud talent is is quite rare i think also um i would say effective ml and ai talent effective right i think a lot of people can do ai and ml but there are very few that have a very good engineering or mvp kind of approach and um because the way we've approached ai and ml people usually come from a very specific background which is Oh, you have to do data science, AI, and ML, or you have to go to people who've done, you know, or have been used to a particular environment where they spend a lot of time looking deeply into a problem, and they necessarily are not used to deadlines. So that analysis paralysis seems to be a plague in 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 the ML AI space. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I was quite. Um, lucky to have like amazing people which were not right really um, paralyzed by analysis and they wanted to rapidly build products so AI and ML was you know a fast turnaround quick experimentation uh, looking at the problems deeply but pragmatically um, and these scientists uh, to their credit look really took upon agile and MVP approach yes but I think these are quite key challenges in sort of the data science space. I think it's still it's still a, a challenge. And I imagine, as, you know, as part of kind of overriding all of this is the kind of general research and development. How do you create? You got your systems that are kind of business as usual, and then you got then you've got kind of research where you're kind of developing new systems which are going to enhance the business or innovate in the business. Um, how do you find that finding space for R and D? So I'll give you a longer answer on that. Um, I uh, have my internal markers of success uh, for myself that I say, I'm going to join an org and when I've done this, I've achieved some amount of success because, you know, um, you know, your leadership might have a different idea, but you convince your leadership and you get to that state. Um, and then for me, I've, uh, I've really uh, succeeded. One of my things or personal goals is when R&D becomes BAU for every team that I sort of develop and build where their creativity and that sort of personal projects. And so basically you have an ideas generating um, factory. So that's the kind of, you know, uh, whether I do it within three months or six months or a year or a year and a half. Um, that's the kind of goal. So what I do is, I think R&D in 
all aspects um, is is very important. Where you, you if you want to innovate, if you want to stay, have that market competitive advantage, you need for that to be all in every part of what you're doing and not just hidden away. There's an R&D R team and they do R&D. So I think whether it's you're a cloud engineer, DevOps engineer, software engineer, you should all experiment to how to improve. And that requires some research and development, I'd say. Hmm. So in different organizations, I would have either uh, uh, um, a project day, uh, research Fridays, where people can do any project, any project. They could build robots, they could do, so whatever spark their creativity, uh, we do that. Alternatively, uh, if we found a big enough problem, we do um, have, uh, you know, hackathons. Um, I was on a meeting today and my boss Ben actually talked about a game day where we want to solve a problem in a very different way. We would where we would um, create a failure, and then people would try to solve it. So that's your part of your site reliability engineering. Things can go wrong. What do you do? Mm-hmm. So why don't you actually make things go wrong, and you then find out what's wrong and create systems that would detect and maybe heal them even. Um, so that's something that sort of my boss suggested, and that's I think that I would add to the whole R and D or that gamification, that sort of creativity, sort of thinking. I love that. Yeah, it, it kind of creates a, um, it's, I guess it's a kind of positive dissonance within the organisation where things uh, you're kind of emulating it going wrong, and then uh, the creativity to kind of make sure how do you make the system more resilient and getting people to solve that problem, creating a problem for them to solve almost, you know, kind of kind of thing. Um, and as we come towards the end of our kind of time together uh, in the closing arc, what are your tips for uh, tech, aspiring tech leaders out there? What what advice would you give them based on your journey into this space? I think you'll hear this in written many books and stuff. Just be authentic. Um, be really passionate about your leadership. Don't try to become a leader that you think, you know, it works or... People try to become Steve Jobs. Know who you are and what your strengths are and then play to those strengths and try to improve your weaknesses. Everybody, every leader that you will see will have some weakness. Somebody, um, you know, even somebody who's on a 30-year, you know, has had 30 years of experience in leadership, they will still be growing on certain things. So, you know, uh, know who you are, what sort of leadership, be authentic about it. You know, authenticity, authenticity, really, really. People can tell when you're being fake or when you're being real, right? Mm. And when you're being real, people will really follow you and you will see the impact in delivery and everything. So, and the third most important thing is the growth mindset. Always grow, always learn and learn from anyone. I love it. Yeah, that's love that. Uh, Carol Dweck, uh, growth mindset. I, lo- I love that whole kind of concept of uh, uh, I'm not good at it yet. But the yet is the kind of key word here. And and on, following on from that, are there any kind of gateway books or material that has kind of been key in your your development as a tech leader? Uh, any books you recommend or lectures or what have you? Yeah, I'm at a very, uh, every time I teach a manager or a person to become a leader, I, I recommend this um, difficult conversation book, How to Discuss What Matters Most. This is from the Harvard Negotiation Product. Uh, project 
and it's kind of just structures when you want people avoid difficult conversations they don't yeah. want to have difficult conversations because it's well they're difficult right yeah and this kind of shows how easy it can become how effective they can become and how they can actually improve your working relationship and they say this the the people that have written this book uh Doug Stone he talks about how he's used it in his personal life about with his daughters and stuff um and he's improved his personal relationships so you know um read this book because leadership is about almost having uh, on a daily basis difficult conversations love it i'm going to add that i've not read that one myself i've read similar books but uh, that's going to be added to my list as well thank you for sharing and um ego this is a fun part of the podcast but it's all fun for me but uh, a fun part is as a tech genie i'm going to offer you a tech wish what wish would you make for your leadership for your tech space for for your industry oh for myself uh, to uh, my wish would be just to accelerate my growth you know uh, for me to be able to have like unbelievably unlimited time with <laughs> unlimited <laughs> mentors right yes yeah yeah so that i can um, i can sort of really accelerate my growth journey so that would be my wish yeah actually that, that on a on a side note i mean i I'll, I'll do what i can on that wish uh, and I, in fact actually there is something that i'm working on at the moment uh, which is that have you heard of the human library project where you uh, no, yeah and it's a really interesting one where there's people that you never meet uh, but they have a story to tell from their perspective for example for me it might be for somebody from a particular part of the world and you take this person out as a book like in the library and you have a session with them and then you ask questions and you learn from them and it would be really interesting to have different tech leaders in different from different spaces so you could take out a particular CTO in a particular area for example or a tech leader in a particular engineering um, scope and and ask them questions so there you go I, i'm going i'm going to see if i can try and make this really come true for you uh osman nice. yeah that's amazing so finally osman as we come to a close what's your one key takeaway that you, you would ensure people listen to and take on board i would say be passionate and be authentic brilliant great words to finish on thank you for your time osman it's been great having you on cto confessions It's an absolute pleasure um uh, speaking to you and um I look forward to the session. Brilliant. Well, that was wonderful speaking to yet another leader with an enlightening style of leadership. When Usman said what really gets him excited is getting people to the next level. That got me excited because leadership for me at least is about nurturing leaders. Leaders currently in the space and those up and coming leaders. So, what were your key takeaways from the podcast? Well, Here am I. Firstly, don't try to find people who fit your culture. Instead, take another more elegant perspective and find people who will add to your culture. I love that. My second key takeaway is something that Usman said and it reminded me about feedback loops. The information coming back from feedback loops can't really be generalized. Ideally, those feedback loops need to be looped back to the area or context on what the information is associated with. personally i like to surgically introduce feedback loops into the teams that actually need that information and my third key takeaway is usman's reminder about r&d opportunities within your teams and the many ways you can make that kind of happen and set it up and the feeling you get when that r&d turns into business as usual it's a wonderful feeling when you know that work is actually kind of returning value to the organization in some form or another 
And finally, my final key takeaway is, is that old chestnut about nurturing leadership. Creating motivated people within the scope of your leadership requires you to let go of control, and maybe quite a lot of it, so people can grow, people can try, can experiment, and find their own style of leadership. So there you have it. Those are my key takeaways. So thank you for your time again, Usman. And next time I see that WorldPay extension kick in on the e-commerce site that I'm using, I'll be thinking about you all at WorldPay and how you like to roll as a leader. Keep up the great work, sir. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.